Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and thank you so much for joining me. Now today we continue on our interview with Randall Waller and um, man, it was great, great catching up uh, in part one. In part two, we keep talking a bit more about the Shania Twain touring days. Um, we, we find out what was in Randall's rig for those gigs. Uh, talk about the Super Bowl and the Grammys. Really amazing stories. Also, Randall's work with Keith Urban over in the States and his return to Australia and some of the work he's doing here now, including a much-anticipated solo album. Our episode today is brought to you by Ugroove, the design guys who redid our logo. Thank you, Warren Scott. Fantastic job. Warren's also a great drummer. You can book him for a gig, book him for design, or book him for both. Ugroove at optusnet.com. We're also brought to you by the Michael Dolce Funk Fusion Masterclass Tour of 2016. Those dates have already been happening, and um, by all reports, it's been a great time with people learning stacks at these classes. I've been to one, it's wonderful. Here's Michael to tell us a bit about what you might expect at one of these classes. Hi guys, this is Michael Dolce inviting you to my 2016 Funk Fusion Masterclass Tour. To give you a brief rundown of what the night consists of, we get 10 players in a room in a really relaxed atmosphere, nothing too intimidating. We cover soloing over the one chord vamp. I will be sharing all my concepts that have worked for me over the years and I still use to this very day. The idea is to show you guys these ideas and apply them to your own voice. If you feel that you know how to play a pentatonic scale and a major scale, that's all you really need. Um, if you're interested in attending the class, you can book through my website at www.michaeldolchimusic.com. So I look forward to chatting with you all and hopefully catch you at my next masterclass. Cheers for now, guys. Yeah, Michael is definitely the man. Such a, an amazing player and a really lovely and, and humble bloke. So really great to work with and sit in on, on those classes. And there's also a giveaway. There's some uh, great prizes. Um, Michael's giving away a Mission Rewa pedal, an Evil Angel Trinity pickup, some Michael Dolce guitar picks, a Charles Cilia guitar strap. Really, really cool prizes. For Australian residents only, check out Michael Dolce Music on Facebook or his website, as he mentioned, or the Guitar Speak podcast page on Facebook. You can get the details there as well. That competition wraps up this coming week, uh, first week of November, I believe, so check those dates carefully and get amongst it. Now the dates for Michael's workshop classes are also being updated. Um, there's new new classes being added and new areas, so keep an eye on the, on the page for, for the updates there as well. All right, now we're gonna move on to our uh, continued interview with Randall Waller. Um, some people in the week mentioned they enjoyed the Australian wildlife in the background. Yes, I know, you can hear some crickets. It was twilight going into the evening as, as Randall and I spoke and there were crickets on each end of the Skype line and uh, some beautiful birds too. Hope you enjoyed that. Anyway, hey, uh, we finished off part one with an amazing story about Mutt Lang, the, the legendary producer's amazing uh, supersonic hearing during rehearsals. We start up part two of the Randall Wall interview with another Mutt Lang story. But one other story about Mutt, uh, Hardy, the keyboard player, fabulous keyboard player and a great mate of mine, he, uh, he was playing uh, Still the One, yeah, which was, uh, I think, in uh, D flat. Okay. Uh, no, uh, 
no, E flat. Uh, it was uh, capoed on on one, and uh, and you play it in D. D shape. And yeah. so at one point, there's a B flat chord in there, a dominant B flat. And so, uh, and Hardy had played this uh, this same uh, arranged part uh, on the same sound every every night, uh, every time we played the song, every rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And so we're in rehearsal there, and uh, and Mutt says to Hardy, he says, uh, Hardy, is that is that the same piano sound that you've been using? Um, and Hardy goes, Yeah, yeah, it, it is, yeah. He goes, uh, could you play that again, please? Play that B flat. Is that the right voicing? Is that the same voicing that you're playing? Yes, yeah, yeah, it is. Yep, yeah, yes, yes, it is. Oh, everything's the same. Yep. Uh, he says, uh, right. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't sound quite quite as bright uh, as it as it did yesterday. Uh, it, yeah, is it? Nothing's changed. No, no, the, no, nothing's changed. And Hardy goes, oh, well, you know, maybe I could. Uh, Oh, I could EQ it, maybe make it a bit brighter, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, anyway well, ha- have a look at it. A- anyway, next day, uh, Mutt was off somewhere else. Uh, he had to go somewhere. He was out. He had to go to New York City for the day. It was something like that. And uh, uh, and so we had the day rehearsing by ourselves. Uh, we go into the studio 10 o'clock that morning. He turns that unit on. And it fritzed out the little readout on that unit, uh-huh. just on a red gobbledygook, right? So they found the manual for it and had to do a hard reboot on it to, you know, reset the whole thing, right? Yeah. And <laughs> so fast forward again the next day, Mutt comes in, play the piano, plays that part. He, what does what does he say? Mutt says, "That's much better, Hardy. What have you done?" <laughs> wow. Like. It's mate, it's just mind-boggling. So that's that's who you're dealing with. You're dealing with someone who's just he's kind of on a different plane. Yeah, you know? yeah, quite extraordinary. Wow, and these are things he's hearing in a large band. Like it was a pretty big yes. band you're lugging around. Oh yeah, nine, yeah, nine of us, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and these sorts of things happened repeatedly it wasn't it, none of its flukes you know he he hears this stuff it's okay. yeah it's it's freaky mate and wow. and uh yeah but just great never belittle people he's yeah he's just a great extraordinary human being yeah, yeah cool mm. so uh, uh yeah in between those two tours we did the come on over then we did the up tour yep. and in between that i've spent a lot of time playing with keith urban and that was just great fun we were you know aussies amongst americans which is always a laugh yeah and cool we played the castle on the on the tour bus you uh-huh. know until the americans <laughs> actually kind of went to bed not you know scratching their heads wondering <laughs> what it was about uh nice. yeah, we had a lot of fun. It just great fun and every now and then i run into him when he's down here i'll go out and see him and say good day he's just he's a he's a good fella so when you got the call up and you, you rushed over to the states, what sort of what could you take with you in terms of gear? <laughs> yeah, right. Good question. I took one guitar. Okay. I took a black Stratocaster that I bought uh, from. Uh, it, it was it had recently belonged to I think you know Chris Folsom. Yeah, it had yeah. Belonged to him and uh, a mutual friend of ours, and so uh, I bought it for two hundred bucks and. Uh, Changed like literally every piece of metal on it. It was only the wood that was left. Yeah. Uh, refretted and everything it had EMGs in it. And I, yeah, it's a great because that's still a great guitar. One of my main guitars still. Is and, that a profile? 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, awesome. Oh, yep. Great guitar, and its uh, intonation is still fabulous, and it's just a fantastic sounding guitar. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I bought that in 92, and so I took that with me, uh, and that's all I took. Uh and uh, it was actually really funny. The other guitar player, Brent, also just a great mate of mine. And, mm -hmm. and to this day, I was just uh, messaging him yesterday. Actually, we had a oh, long cool. conversation yesterday. Um, he was using, uh, for particular things, he was using these uh, the Matchless HC30 heads oh, yeah. into, uh, into Fender 212 uh, Tone Master cabs. Yeah. And they just sound, oh, I just yes, absolutely sensational. Mm -hmm. And uh, but the guy, who, the guitar tech, my guitar tech, this guy called Kevin Buell, who's uh, he's been uh, Springsteen's right hand man. Where whenever uh, Bruce is on the road, Kevin is right beside him, and he's been his guitar tech for decades. Okay. So he ended up being my my tech. Wow, and awesome. It's pretty funny, and he'd been given the corporate credit card. For, to buy the gear that was required for these rehearsals and for the band to, to, to get to get the tour on the road. So um, uh, I wander in and, you know, I wasn't even sure, you know, in the first couple of days, because George had said, if you're the guy, right, as I as I mentioned earlier, yeah. if George said, if you're the guy, we'll, uh, we'll fix up the visa once you get here. And, and I said, you know, I'm the guy, yeah, and all of that. Uh, so when I arrived, I actually, Mutt had said, uh, you know, I'm happy to go ahead with this. So, and I knew the time was getting short, you know, in terms of when the next, when the show was, when the tour was next to start. And yeah. so, uh, I was kind of, uh, but I still wasn't, I didn't have the absolute say so. Um, and I'd mentioned to Kevin about getting some gear, and he's like, he was really reticent to spend any money at all. And, and he said, well, you could just get, Fender amps, why not get these Fender things? And you know, I've never been able to get a sound out of a Fender amp. Yeah. I've heard lots of people that can, yeah. but I'm not one of them. I can't do it. They, <laughs> uh, they sound like crap boxes when I play through them. So, um, and he's trying to see, trying to push me onto these Fender things because he, I don't know, he maybe he had a good relationship with me. So, and it's fair enough because Fender Nashville had a. I, I ended up having a great relationship with them. They're a great company, and they really helped me out a lot. So, you know, fair enough. Uh, but I'd, I'd heard these matchless things, and I thought, man, that, that's what I want. So, uh, event, one day we're rehearsing, and you know, a few days in, and we we stop, we have a break. It's like midday. Go in, make a cup of tea, and Martin and Shania are sitting there in this kind of recreation room sort of thing. And Mutt says, "So, so Randall, have, have we got some? Have we got some gear on the way for you?" Uh, and I'm, I was kind of like, "Geez, what do you say? I don't want to put a foot wrong here." It's like because I'm still not sure if I've got the gig, right? Yeah. And I okay. said, "Well, um, I think uh, Kevin is a little reticent to spending money. I, I guess we're trying to ascertain if I'm the guy, you know, in quotes." Uh, before he spends any money, I, I guess, which makes sense, you know. And he goes, oh, oh, well, no, 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 you're the guy. I mean, we, we, <laughs> we made that decision when, when, when we got you over here, you know. But we, we don't have time to find anyone else anyway, you know. <laughs> and um, they said, oh, 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 dear, oh, Kevin. 
and he sort of says, Kevin, rhetorically, you know, Kevin's still down in the studio. He goes, oh, okay, come on, Randall, come with me. And so we, we walk the length of this massive compound right down to the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he looks at Kevin. He says, much, he says, hey, Kevin, Kevin. He gets his attention. He says, Kevin, he, he's the man. He's the one. It's okay. Find whatever he wants. Get him whatever he wants. It's okay. Yeah, and he looks at me and with a smile and, and a wink, he says, all right. And he turns and walks away and off he goes back to the back to his cup of tea. <laughs> and, and I put my hands in. So all of this happened, you know, and I'm just kind of going, yes. Yeah. You know? and, and when he says that to Kevin, I just had to laugh and I just kind of went, rub my hands together. Right. Now, Kev, remember I mentioned those <laughs> And so, you know, within two days, we had two of those matchlesses, you know, in and uh, that I ran stereo through the oh, tone mark. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I didn't have time to, like, build a whole rig with pedals and everything. And mm-hmm. I'd been using the GT5, the Boss GT5. Yeah, the blue one. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, like, a couple of years. And yeah. I knew it inside out. And it was it seemed good. So uh, I thought, you know, I can at least sort of use this for now and, and work in other stuff as we go. So I ended up programming all of the songs uh, into that thing, and that's all I used for the first year of that tour. Wow, cool! So the Boss GT5 multi effects unit, that's it, floorboard thing. Yeah, wow. Uh, We did live DVDs. We did uh, ah, did live. uh, We did uh, uh, live shows shot for television, the TV specials down in (laughs) Miami with Elton John and the Backstreet Boys. Wow. Uh, uh, just all kinds of things, all of it. It was all just done with the GT5. Wow. GT into uh, those matchless amps, run clean yep. on the triode side just uh, and the clean side. Yep. Uh, still pretty loud, mm-hmm. and uh, but using the blues driver in the GT5 with a bit of EQ, and that was basically the sound. That was basically wow. it. And it sounded massive. In <laughs> fact, Keith came, along. Uh, Keith came to one of the shows uh, in Birmingham. Uh, just south of Nashville, you know, it was the closest we were going to play. Yeah. And so he came down with his manager, Greg Shaw, another good mate of mine. And um, and the cabinets were off the stage, you know, well, like way back off the stage, uh, remote mic behind curtains and up, or underneath the stage or wherever it may be. And so, you know, guitar players could actually stand around the, the cabinets listening to what we were playing without us really knowing, you know, and they'd be like front and center listening to the noise that was going out into the arena, you know? And, uh, after that, uh, after that night, I'll never forget. Keith just kind of came up to me. He just like hugged me. He said, man, Randall, he said, that sound is it. It's just, and he's like searched for the words. He said, it's just, it's bigger than big. It's huge. <laughs> and it did. It, it really sounded just gigantic it was massive um and it's just the gt5 the blues driver bit of eq into those matchless amps yeah mighty oh, man. yeah I ended up second tour as well except we ditched the cabinets and used palmer speaker simulators okay yeah yeah oh so, yeah if the in-ear system went down you you got nothing yeah <laughs> when when that went down literally all you could hear was kind of this little clatter of drums over from down the other end of the stage okay Un- unmiked drums sort of thing you know that yeah, was it yeah yeah 
amazing. And we had a, the second tour was highly automated. We had uh, Pro Tools rigs changing our pedals, changing changing patches wow. in the, the switching systems, and so we didn't need to be near our. I had the pedal board on the stage okay. uh, just in case of emergency, yep. uh, which the Pro Tools rig went down one time out of 100, 110 shows, something like wow. that. Wow, that's amazing. So you're so, still using uh, your GT5, but it's just not in and out uh, of the MIDI? In second, on the second tour, yes. Yes, I was, but yeah. I also co-opted it, uh, sort of buried it in a rig that used other gain pedals and okay. other, um, other time-based uh, effects as well cool uh line six stuff and uh a g force yeah the okay. cool so man. yeah yeah and, um, and how about guitars so you had your profile um uh, you must yeah, have needed I, a backup or something yes i needed a backup they uh, we bought a uh, uh american stuff what were they called some sort of american stratocaster that came with a humbucker in the back and a uh and a Floyd Rose on it, so that was a direct sort of backup for the black one, but it never sounded as good as the blackie. Okay. Um, uh, and I've become really accustomed, probably because I've become really accustomed to EMG pickups, and I, I just love them. I've got them in most of the guitars, and okay. they just sound mighty. I don't know, just they work for me. Yeah. Um, well, you know, some people, some guitar players just really boo-hoo them. You know, they just... Oh, just tear them apart, but you know they've always worked well for me. I don't know. I I, I like it. Yeah. Um, oh, I had that. I had a uh, I had a Telecaster, um, a Gretsch, a big purple Gretsch Setzer hot rod. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, used in the second tour. Uh, a couple of Taylor seven hundred seven tens. Yeah. Mm, that's about it. Uh, I, I, on the first tour, I used a uh, Jerry Jones uh, baritone as well okay. for nice. homemade, homemade where his heart is. I'd play the baritone part on that, which I just loved. <laughs> loved. Uh, but no, it was fairly simple, mate. Basically, a telly, a strat, a backup for the strat, and a Gretsch. And that's it. Cool. <laughs> so you said you, um, you developed a good relation with Fender. How, how did that work out? Oh, that, look, you know, I thought it was, they were just great uh, because in between those tours, there was three years between the tours okay. uh, and uh, we were there for seven years and lived in, you know, had the house in Nashville for seven years yeah. and uh, so three of those were sort of, you know, not high profile time at all yeah. and um, uh, but during that time I, you know, I was playing with Keith, I yeah. uh, also played with a, a fairly high profile group over there called Shadaisy that are kind of like a, a you can't help but compare them to Dixie Chicks but they're okay. you know three sisters kind of harmony based country stuff yeah um, and uh, uh, played with them for quite a while and played with Rodney Crowell for quite a while as well uh, okay. who nice. you know, I don't know if you heard of Rodney bits and pieces noted as a writer mm -hmm. perhaps more so than a, than an artist but he is an artist in his own right okay. and uh and just a great guy, great mate. And he, he was out here just last year, actually, with Emily, Emily Harris. Um, so, um, uh, I'm just turning the brightness down here so I can uh, save the battery. And uh, so, uh, during those times, it was not 
as anywhere near as high profile as as the Shania show was. Sure. So, in terms of a promotional prospect, you know, I really wasn't sort of being seen in front of enough people to really warrant their attention. Yeah. But they knew that there would be another Shania tour coming up, and mm-hmm. they know that I'd given them good mileage on the previous Shania tour, ah, cool. and so. And they were just true. The guy there, Bruce Boland, great guy. And I'd just go in there and he'd say, what do you need? You know, and he'd, throw, he'd go and get boxes of strings and just throw them at me and say, here you go. What do you, you know, here you go. Yeah, have those, have those. And I'd say, look, I really need it. If I was out in the road and I'd busted a guitar, which I did, I threw guitars up in the air all the time at the end of the show. <laughs> uh, I can send you photos of all this stuff. I'd literally throw them up in the air as high as I possibly could. And most of the time I would catch it, and sometimes I didn't. So uh, so if I needed another guitar, they'd just send me out, uh, and, you know, I had I had three or four 62 reissue strats these days wow. that they've just sent to me, and I've butchered and mongreled and customized yeah. and, you know, whatever. So uh, but they would just – they'd send them to me because, you know, that. They just wanted me to be playing them, so, so, and that was they were just awesome. And but through those lean times, through those three could could be seen as lean years, it it made no difference to them. He was, uh, yep. What do you need? No problem. We'll you know we'll help you out. Wow. Uh, it was interesting that it, I, I needed a case for a Les Paul that I owned at that point. I called Gibson, and they would still they wanted me to you know buy a case. You know, even though you know. Fender would, was giving me stuff, could you know, no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to buy just to get a guitar case from Gibson. Um, but but uh, Gibson heard that uh, the very first, almost the first gig that we had for the the up tour was doing the Super Bowl, and so I had a phone call from Gibson Nashville saying, uh, hey, Randall, uh, here you're going to be doing the Super Bowl. Uh, just wondering what I got to do to get a guitar in your hand. You know, and uh, well, uh, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll, he said, just all you got to do is, you know, play it on the show when it's yours. Uh, okay, right. Uh, okay, thanks. Uh, I'll, I'll think about it. And no, I never called back. How can you do that? When yeah, sure. It's been true blue all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I used the old profile strat. <laughs> Here it is, don't you? <laughs> but, but it's a strat, you know, with a fender dick on it. So yeah, anyway, yeah. Nice. Uh, Tell me about yeah. the Super Bowl. What's that like? Oh, mate, that's what a what a show! Golly, the entire stage is set up in seven minutes by 150 people. It's rolled in on wheels. It's like, <laughs> mate, it was just extraordinary. And uh, they pull in like people from like all bunch of like girls and and young blokes and everything. And that they allow to run out onto the field, you know, mm-hmm. like this mid game, you know, yeah. they everyone just runs out onto the field, and <laughs> you know, it because it's entertainment. I can't, I can't see them doing that here in Australia. They, you know, you can't run onto the field after a rugby league game when there's no band playing. You yeah. know, yeah. It, they don't. No, 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 stay off the ground. You know, this is in the Super Bowl, the game of games, and they just, yeah, go on, get out on the ground because they understand. That it's entertainment, mm-hmm. right? And the pre and the the halftime show is as much a part of the entertainment as the game itself is, sure. right? And to make that 
to give it vibe and, and excitement and everything, you've got to have people up on the stage, you know, people right up to the stage, right? And they, they get that. Yeah, Americans just get it. They get entertainment. Um, yeah, so that was the Super Bowl. and But all of those shows, mate, the, the, doing the Grammys, that was that was an education because they would roll in massive risers that had um, 15 guys playing strings, mm. uh, you know, an orchestra wow. on it. They'd roll in two of those with a multi-pin, you know, multi-pin uh, coax oh, okay. cable thing plug in all the mics and hit a digital console. Great. Ready? Wow. Three, four, go. So the multi-pin, that's the, that's the hero for some of these rigs. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, definitely. When you're rolling the, you know, multiple players in uh, on a stage, they're all sitting on there as it's rolled in, you know, and, uh, and then the roll, roll them off and, and the next one rolls in and, you know, mate, it's the Shrine Auditorium. It's like just, it's clockwork. It is absolute clockwork. It's unbelievable. Just brilliant. Yeah, amazing to be a fly on the wall and watch how they do these things. It's really brilliant. Cool, man. So very, you know, you feel like, you know, you're scratching yourself. You know, a little guy from Sydney watching all of this stuff, you know, it was just such a privilege to be, a, you know, to be a fly on the wall and watch it. Yeah. It was just great. Yeah. Brilliant. So the up to a, so that's, that's around 2002, 2003. Is that the sort of. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. two, three, four. Yeah, yeah. We did the Super Bowl in '03, which was uh, uh, January, yeah. end of January, and uh, did a bunch of work, sort of preparation work through through that year. Um, a lot of time in Los Angeles, um, programming, doing the programming for those patch oh. changes and stuff, and sit, setting mm-hmm. up rigs basically, and and rehearsing. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we started maybe oh yeah we started oh three I think the record came out in late oh two okay. from memory and uh, and we did a Super Bowl in oh three so the, the actual tour okay. was oh three oh four we did actually end up we did a bunch of other things uh, through that summer. Of 03, after doing the Super Bowl, we then spent a lot of time in uh, in LA doing that programming and uh, in a huge mm-hmm. soundstage in Hollywood. And then then we went to Ireland. We were there for uh, a month rehearsing there, doing doing production rehearsal there. Um, we went down and the first show that we did, the first real real show that we did, apart from that Super Bowl was down in Kilkenny where we played with the Mavericks and the Pretenders and, and all of that and she was the, cool. she and I was a headliner and so yeah it was just like, it was so unbelievably exciting that that I would say that one and the following week we played in Hyde Park we did the uh, uh, she, did, she did her own show in Hyde Park we had 65,000 wow. people there in London that that would rate as probably the most exciting show I've ever done because we were back, the band was back together, and it was just it was the beginning of the tour. We'd done all this rehearsal and these, we didn't need to to be near our racks of stuff and didn't have to be pushing buttons and dancing yeah. around on pedal boards and you could just play and address the crowd and it was just oh man, it was just thrilling and playing a bunch of new songs and everything. It was just awesome. It was so 
was so exciting. And then the following week, or maybe two weeks later, uh, we did that same show, except in Chicago, which and that was the one that became oh, yeah. the DVD, the live DVD. She's on the cover with the yellow shirt on, and yeah. So that was that was how we spent that. Uh, rather than touring through that summer, we spent it basically rehearsing and uh, preparing for those uh, three shows culminating in the, okay, yeah, and the cool. DVD. Nice, yep. and you're um you're singing a bunch on that too on on the gig and and that video as well. Huh? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Of, yeah, yeah. Well, that when well like way way back when I got the gig, they, they seemed to be able to find. Um, uh, I would have thought people like me grew on trees over there, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they do, uh, but they just didn't seem to be able to turn the right stone to to find them. Sure. You know, in time, um, they were able to find. Great guitar mm-hmm. players, as you'd imagine, who, however, had kind of ooh and ah kind of backing okay. vocal voices, or they found real lead singers uh, with with a strum along kind of guitar sure. capacity, right? But they needed a lead guitar player and a lead singer because I I did I sang like from this moment with her and and did a lot of the duet harmony type tight mm-hmm. duet harmony stuff. Uh, that that really needed to be like uh, syllable perfect. You know, we, it, it really was. We spent a lot of time working on it, uh, getting it right for a night. So, um, uh, so I guess I, you know, that's why I was lucky. I just, you know, they didn't weren't able to find someone that that did just what I did. And looking back on it, uh, I was just right for that part it, you know it was just the right spot you know round peg in a round hole just it was perfect. Yeah. so uh, um, yeah so yeah I do a lot of singing on it lot, lots yeah, of singing cool. I love that much fantastic yeah. so when does um when does the up tour wind up what happens at, at the end of that tour uh, it was uh, mid-July 04 we did the last show in Fort Lauderdale um, it was yeah July 10th came home yeah. on the 11th uh, from Miami and uh, that was it. It was just kind of all of a sudden your your life just stops. <laughs> the life, life as you know it, you know, uh, all the people that you see daily uh, just, you know, a lot of us have experiences like that. It's like finishing school or just any kind of um, end of an era type yeah. situation. Uh, so I came back to uh, I went back home to Nashville and uh, we had one more show where we played uh, Good Morning America um, which is a Diane yeah, Sawyer yeah, big, you know, the, I mean, big breakfast show yeah CBS show yeah where they uh, they set up a stage in on Broadway in Nashville during the week when the uh, okay. CMAs are the Country Music Awards are and so, yeah, but it was mainly for Shania that she was the big sort of draw card then. And there were just tens of thousands of people uh, all uh, packed into on Broadway in Nashville uh, to watch her play. So, yeah, cool. yeah, it was big fun. That was it. That was the end Did of it. Did you end up staying and, uh, in Nashville and thinking about pursuing other work well, there? Or were you, were you keen to get back to Australia at some stage? 
no, I would have stayed there. I would have stayed, uh, despite my problems with their politics. Um, what do I know? I don't know. Uh, I would have stayed. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had a great opportunity to capitalise on um, a bit of profile and, and stuff um, that, that I had there. Uh, and just in terms of finding work, you know, a great relationship, still have a great relationship yeah. with the Shadaisy girls. And, and I would have been able to find work, no doubt. Um, however, um, <laughs> Susie's, uh, my agreement kind of with her was that, uh, we would do the two tours and then, mm-hmm. uh, and that would be it. Uh, we'd come back home. Uh, she had put her sure. career on hold and followed me around the world for seven years. So, you know, uh, it was, you know, she wanted to have a go. So, and, but not only that, um, that was only one element of, uh, of our move. Uh, my mum was very ill at the time with this hereditary thing, pulmonary fibrosis, that ended up killing her. In, uh, and uh, that with my mum being ill and uh, kids starting to speak with American <laughs> accents, and we'd, had, we'd had our second little fella, okay. our little boy by then. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was just, I don't know, it's particularly for sure. mum, we wanted to get home. And so she had an opportunity to, to get to yeah. know all our kids before she went. So, yeah, so that was important yeah, for to sure. all of us, to Susie. Yeah. So back in Australia, um, was there a bit of a <laughs> sea change? Or was there, I mean, obviously you're from here. Was it a culture shock to come back to? Yes, it was. To the beaches, yeah. yeah. It still is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it still is. Um, it's... Oh, jeepers. Yeah, you, yeah, I, I'm loath to say much about it because, you know, people will say, oh, who's this guy think he is? You know, um, uh, it's it's just it's just completely different. You know, I was used to, for for years, I was on tour buses or private jets or, or whatever, you know, you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and that's not necessarily what I want. It's not, I'm not saying that's what I want here, but I guess I would say those gigs just, hardly exist here yeah sure. and if they do exist they exist for you know a couple of weeks a year sort of thing you that's know. right i mean two it, weeks you've toured the whole that's nation it. You, you've done all the big gigs and the big regional centers and that's it that's it yeah so sure. um but you know um i suppose you know the fact that i played you know with those people over there um was rather meaningless once i came back here uh-huh. um you know if to, to get any sort of high-profile gig doing uh, uh, guitar and vocal with, say, Farnham or anything like that, no one's going to employ me. Uh, no one. It just it doesn't. It, all they would think of was the Avion, oh, that Avion guy. Oh, right, okay. yeah. You know, because, oh, yeah, but he's been doing this and this and this in America. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, no. You know, in fact, a very interesting thing recently, I had a, just last year, I had a, uh, a guy out of the blue called me to play with um, Tim Minchin. Okay, he, yeah. He did some, had a couple of gigs on the Opera House Steps. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, uh, I would love to have done that because I'm, I'm a big fan of his and, and, and of his politics and, and everything else. <laughs> I'm a big fan. And I, would, I was really excited. I would love to do that, you know. And the, the guy said, so, you know, what have you done? What have you, who have you played with? And, and I think, I don't know, mentioning Shania was was probably 
the nail in the coffin. It's like I, I just have <laughs> never heard from them again because I, I guess he kind of figured, well, Jeepers uh, played with Shania Twain. He must be a country, country redneck. guy, yeah. Or, or whatever, you know, I'm the furthest, I don't know the first thing about country. So uh, we the, we were called, the Shania's band it got a right reviewer in uh, DC, uh, described it as Def Leppard with fiddles, which is <laughs> exactly what the band was. It's exactly what it was. They were all rock players, every, everyone. It, really, rock, yeah? Yeah, no, no strictly country players in the okay. band at, at all. Wow. Yeah. So uh, not not a one. Yeah. Wow! Even anyway, the yeah. wasn't there a guy playing some pedal stuff and yeah, oh yeah, but he's he's a jazzer. Oh okay, he's a fusion fusion jazz guy. Wow, yeah. cool. But but as a result, he can play anything you want. Yeah, right. Anything. Yeah, yeah, he's a freak. That guy, Mark Muller, great guy, and funny bugger, funny uh-huh. and uh, deep musician. Wow, yeah. Um, so yeah, back here it carries more weight. You say uh, that I played with Rose Tattoo. They go, you know, you say you played with Shania Twain. Mm. They don't know. They don't. Generally, people don't understand what that means. Okay. Uh, or play with Keith Urban. Oh yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I played currently sort of play with Rose. Oh well, not now, but you know, played with Rose Tattoo you know, a little while ago. Again. Oh really? Oh wow. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's funny. Yeah. It's fine. No, and I don't mean, you know, I'm not... That's yeah, no, yeah. No disrespect. It's just a different... It's just a perspective, you know. A different thing, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very strange. So, yeah, so I've been doing that and uh, I've been doing my own gigs. I've got my own little band called The Noise. And, yeah, uh, I've seen ads yeah. for you. I've, I've got a mate who keeps trying to drag me out on a Monday night. Um, I play at Frankie's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, The Noise, it's not really The Noise at Frankie's, but... Um, Joel, who plays in Frankie's house band, mm-hmm. uh, is is part of the noise. Yeah. So okay. Uh, so what's the uh, noise? Tell me about tell me about that band and what kind of stuff oh, you do. It's just silly rock and roll covers, an excuse to make noise and have some fun. Right? Great. Yeah, that basically, and actually get out and still and still be playing. Yeah. Uh, whilst I whilst I complete this record that is uh, turning into an epic and uh, an epic saga <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, but. Uh, but I am making progress on it now. Now yeah. I've, uh, I just commit every day to nine to five to to do that and um, you know see the kids when they come home. After run them around if I have to, but then yeah. get and uh, you know and then into the night as well. You know, so I'm I am like head down, bum up, doing that right now, and it's going to be very rock. It will be the first real rock record that I've made, and. Uh, uh, Few little ghosts of Nashville there, maybe here and there, but okay. but mostly detuned, uh, tough, massive rock with uh, lyrics that are uh, really important to me. So cool, yeah. sounds cool. Is there you got a rough time frame when you want to get this thing uh, finished? Well, yeah, yeah, I was just talking to a guy yesterday who's who wants to do something in terms of distribution, and he's looking for a timeline. Uh, we're talking about uh, March. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So I am excited about that, mate. I'm really excited about that record. Yeah, cool. And are, um, are you are you, are you um, like workshopping any of these tunes live yet? Or? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, we've do, done a couple at Frankie's and 
and at my own noise gigs I'm doing a couple of as well uh, and I'm going to include a couple more as well so yeah we'll just add more and more as we can great yep. what's um what's the best way for people to keep up to date with with like this or any of your gigs if people want to catch up with you and uh, Facebook or Instagram is probably probably the best okay. although I'm just about, just about maxed out on uh, Facebook friends I'm going to have to turn it into a uh, you know a what is it? What are they? they do some sort of different page on the damn yeah, thing. like an artist page or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. So yeah. I'm going to do that, I suppose, and turn people over to it, and hopefully they'll, hopefully they will. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, I always put up stuff on Facebook. You know, whatever I'm doing there, I throw it up there, um, and let people know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Mm. Well, Randall, it's been so fun talking to you, man, and catching up. And <laughs> good fun, mate. Thanks yeah. for bothering i appreciate it yeah it's good fun oh definitely and um you're very beloved in the australian guitar scene that was obviously the other night at the the gary moore um show and um and from the yeah. interest people have in your gigs and 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 the stuff you're doing now and um mm. guys i know are, are, are crazy um fans and waiting for your record so is that right oh really oh wow that's exciting oh for wow sure. Oh, oh, for sure oh, man, that's i can't tell you what that means i i, I thought you know, it literally would come out with a whimper, and you know, it just—I'm doing it because I need to get the monkey off my back, you know, to yeah, get sure. finished. Uh, because there's some some heavy heavy subject matter in it, and and I just need to do it. I want to do it, mm -hmm. um, but to hear that people are actually keen to hear it—that's uh, that's really that. Wow, I'm I'm that's I'm blown away. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Oh, for sure, for sure. So yeah, um, so get it done, and maybe maybe we can chat again when the record comes out. And oh, mate. yeah, mate, we can go through track by track. Talk through a few like. tracks. That'd be that'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, mate, thank you so much for your time. Um, really appreciate it. It's been a great Good, chat, and um, talk again soon. Do it again. Yeah. Cheers. Good night, champ. All right. There is part two of the Randall Waller interview, and man, what a what an amazing bunch of experiences Randall has had throughout his career. Now, since our interview, Randall um, posted the other week, the other day, I should say, uh, a little clip from his album, um, and it's amazing. It sounds like the outro of this big rock song, and the guitars are just wailing, and the tone is massive. I think I think he's running a, his Paul Reed Smith through a diesel head, and it's just unreal. So check that out, Randall Waller on Instagram or Facebook. So we'll let you know when the album comes out as well and um, hopefully we can have Randall back and talk through some tracks. Man, there's a lot of our guests who have put out new albums and things. Um, I need to do something to follow this up because there's some great stuff. Michael Fix's album we mentioned during the, the Maiton interview a couple of episodes ago. It's just beautiful. Um, Bob Spencer uh, on his Facebook page, he's been showing a few of the, the riffs and the progress of his album which is going to be really cool. Peter Northcote, I just saw today, so um, put a couple of new songs up online as well. Uh, who else? Sarah Lipstate, Novella. Her album is done by the sounds of things, and that gets released early next year. Gretchen, what's happening with your record? Let us know. Apparently it's coming along. Um, yeah, heaps of cool. Heaps of cool stuff. So it's so great that our guests are, um, are releasing things. Andy Othling. Lowercase Noises, new album, must be very close as well. All right, I'll stop going on. And here's the thing. All these guests that have been on our show, 
Um, you can dig back and listen to these past episodes um, on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. You can dig back through, or we're also on Stitcher. Or if you go to guitarspeakpodcast.libsen.com, you can get all of our episodes there as well. So thank you so much for joining me. We hope uh, hope to hear from you again. There's lots of great new episodes to come as well on the Guitar Speak podcast, so stay tuned. Have a great day, and thanks again for joining me. Bye now.